Hello and welcome to the Rogers Brief for January 19th, 2024. I'm Adam Rogers. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. People are enjoying this content. I invite you to click on the like button there and uh, that helps us reach more people with these uh, with these podcasts and these videos. So I uh, appreciate that. And uh, of course, share, recommend these to others that you think might be interested. That's uh, the way to grow the audience. So uh, thanks for that. This week uh, we're going to be uh, it's going to be a Nova Scotia heavy uh, show. Last week we were looking at some uh, more national and international stories. This week we've got some Nova Scotia content, a little bit of national stuff uh, towards the end, but um, some Nova Scotia cases, situations, and a few updates on some uh, stories we've been following here on the Rogers Brief. So uh, I'm going to talk about the uh, Shelburne fire charge there. There's a former political staffer that's made uh, filed a civil suit against the Premier of Nova Scotia for uh, defamation and wrongful dismissal. And a uh, big decision this week regarding the jails in Nova Scotia, the lockdowns that have been happening there. We've seen some habeas corpus applications. Now we have two decisions this week from the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia uh, talking about the situation in our provincial jail system. I'm going to talk about, uh, update a few stories, one being the Ernest McAvoy uh, shooting. He's been sentenced. This is a older gentleman in a big interval in, uh, in Cape Breton who uh, was convicted of shooting his brother and now sentenced. And the uh, C.P. Allen uh, Bedford uh, teen, uh, the school stabbing last year, that's coming up for trial in March. Uh, he's had a charter application before Judge Elizabeth Buckle heard this week. That was in the news. I'll talk about that a little bit as well. And then uh, there's a Supreme Court of Canada decision I think you'll be interested to hear about. Uh, this uh, Landry is the guy's last name. He's not a not a Nova Scotia Landry, a Quebec Landry. This came up through there. He was a former police officer in Quebec who's been sentenced for uh, six months for fraud, appealed this to the Supreme Court of Canada, and we have a decision on that uh, this week. As well, a national, well, international story, anything he does. Uh, Jordan Peterson uh, was in uh, applying to the Ontario Court of Appeal for leave to appeal his decision well, the decision against him on his, uh, I guess, sanction by the College of uh, Psychologists or Psychiatrists, sorry, in Ontario, uh, mandatory, mandating him to receive some further education. He's not crazy about that, and he's published an op-ed in the National Post about it. And then finally, I'm just going to look at the uh, upcoming uh, parliamentary session, the House of Commons coming back uh, soon, and there's some new legislation, uh, well, ongoing legislation, and I'll just talk about some of the highlights of that. So, all right, let's get started. And so last summer we had two major fires in Nova Scotia, one around Hammond's Plains, and we heard stories in the last few weeks that they were not expecting, at least the police are not expecting, to lay charges. Well, this week we've heard in the South Shore, the Shelburne area fires, that a young man, 22-year-old Dalton Stewart, from Villagedale, has been charged. He has not been charged 
Uh, this might not be obvious from just a scan of the stories. He's not been charged with a criminal act. He's been charged under the Forests Act, Act, which is a provincial piece of legislation. So he's charged with, uh, with uh, three offenses. One is lighting a fire on privately owned land without the permission of the owner or occupier. Secondly, failing to take reasonable efforts to prevent the spread of a fire. And thirdly, leaving a fire unattended. So the stories in the media, uh, well, the, the officials from the uh, Department of uh, Forestry have not uh, explained exactly what they're alleging Dalton Stewart to have done, but we can, I guess, read between the lines a little bit just on the nature of the charges that he had a fire going on somebody else's property without their permission and then left it, is, uh, left it to burn without uh, monitoring the fire, I guess. And, of course, the fire spread and uh, caused enormous damage. So, like I said, no details released. They do say that no one else is expected to be charged, so presumably they have some investigation witnesses and such other evidence that points to uh, Dalton Stewart you got to feel bad for this guy in some ways 22 years old he's going to be made the scapegoat for a huge issue the maximum fine under the Forests Act is $50,000 in fines it's 100,000 for companies 50 for individuals and six months and or six months in jail what's going to happen well there are no precedents in Nova Scotia for this. Like, there's no cases. If you go on Canley and look up Forest Act, Forests Act, there's no precedents for people, uh, decided cases where people have deliberately or negligently allowed uh, forest fires to be started. So this is going to be challenging. Challenging circumstances, just given the amount of damage that was done. Also, I would say the increasing risks, given... Uh, climate change and all the increasing you know uh, volatility of the uh, environment as a result but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the crown to seek a significant penalty here and discourage others uh, given the sort of vulnerable circumstances that I guess we're all in these days uh, but we'll keep an eye on that uh, without a precedent it's really hard to judge what's going to happen next um, Dalton Stewart is going to have to mount a vigorous defense, I would suggest, uh, in this case. So we'll see. Next story I want to talk about. This one is going to have some, I guess, political reverberations. And this is a, a former political staffer, provincially, Nargis Demolitor, who was also a former candidate. She ran uh, for the PCs uh, in the uh, 21 election and so she was then, she didn't win. She didn't win the, uh, I think it was a Fairview uh, riding or somewhere in the you know, outskirts of Halifax, Metro Halifax. So after she was uh, defeated as a candidate, she was hired as a political staffer. She was hired as a special advisor to Jill Balser, who's the Minister of Labor, Skills, and Immigration. Now she was fired, Ms. Demolitor was, in October of last year after a tweet was published from her Twitter or X account and the tweet said this it said Israel must stop being the Nazis of 21st century killing innocent innocent Palestinians for political gain is inhumane and dictatorial free Palestine now all right so 
pretty bad. Uh, Mr. Molitor says that this tweet was written and posted by Samuel Shaji, Saji, C-S-H-A-J-I, who she had hired. This is a little, some questions about this part of it. She says she hired uh, Mr. Shaji to manage her Twitter account, her Twitter account, between January and March of 2023. Now why? Why would a political staffer need somebody to manage their Twitter account? That's, that's a question. She says that he stopped working for her in April uh, and she changed the password to the account. Claims now that he hacked the account in October of 2023 and posted the tweet, that she did not draft this tweet, he did. Well, is that part credible? Not so sure. Uh, Mr. Molitor has filed the er, uh, a lawsuit claiming that she was uh, wrongfully dismissed from the position and that the Premier, in his comments, saying that this is unacceptable comments, uh, defamed her. Well, uh, we'll see about We'll see about those things. We, I don't know who the, we, I don't have the lawsuit, so I don't know who the lawyer is that's uh, drafting this. And I don't know, um, anyway, and there's been no defense filed as of yet. But she makes, apparently, according to the news reports, in the lawsuit, a comparison, an unfair and, in my view, unpersuasive comparison to uh, Mitch Malpe, uh, also a political staffer, who after the, uh, after Premier Houston became the Premier, the PCs won the election, retweeted uh, some tweet that said, uh, you know, predicted a, a, what, a thousand year Houston Reich, R-E-I-C-H. So obviously a German word, uh, but I would say not obviously a Nazi related slogan. So Demolitor is trying to care, compare and say, well, this, you know, white political staffer, did basically the same thing and was able to apologize and kept his job and meanwhile I got fired. Uh, don't think so. First, well, Mitch Malpe deleted and apologized, deleted the tweet and apologized once somebody told him that doesn't look great. Uh, difference between a retweet and an originally drafted tweet, uh, I would say. And uh, Got to consider the context, you know, an exuberant uh, little retweet after, uh, you know, a thousand year, whatever. He's gonna he's gonna be the premier for a long time. Okay, that's great. Oh, that's what it meant. Okay, I apologize. Sorry about that. Versus, in the aftermath of the Hamas terrorist uh, invasion, kidnapping, killing, you know, just atrocities that he committed against Israelis, in the you know. A week and a half later to tweet out that Israel must stop being Nazis like come on not even close so uh, first of all not terribly credible that she didn't draft this herself she either drafted it herself or was reckless to allow somebody with those kind of views perhaps she might have known these things to use her Twitter account uh, and Given the context and just the content of the tweet, very, very different. Premier did the right thing. Political staff is not a civil servant. You don't have the same kind of protections. It is a political position. 
and the political consequences of such a tweet and such a message have to be considered. And the Premier did the right thing by firing her, and uh, I think that's the way this lawsuit will ultimately go. Uh, she claims that her reputation has been harmed. Well, uh, no doubt that is the case. The question is whether it has been unfairly harmed. Um, you know, if she can convince people she didn't write the tweet and she didn't mean it, she didn't think that, she doesn't think about those things or she doesn't agree with any of the contents of the tweet, uh, maybe her, she can revive her reputation, uh, but that'll be up to her. That's not, uh, you know, the Premier and the government needs to think about the political consequences and the image that they project and uh, I think uh, they want to project an image that is supportive of Israel and against comparing Israel to the Nazis. All right next story. Uh, Nova Scotia jails. We had some habeas corpus applications uh, basically and I hear this all the time from clients of mine in uh, both the Sydney jail and the uh, Picto Northeast Nova jail, lockdowns are rampant. You know, even for low-risk uh, offenders, you know, they're being locked down 22 hours, 23 hours a day, not getting any exercise, not getting any air, not getting any social interactions, not getting any um, any kind of programming. It's been getting worse and worse in the last few years. Staffing is blamed. A lack of staff is the issue. I see the Justice Department is now claiming that they've hired many more, dozens more staff, so we'll see. I am seeing some more sheriffs around. I don't know if that's uh, adding into the jails or not. But Justice uh, Peter Rosinski this week made two decisions, basically the same, two different people, but uh, the same uh, basic structure of the decision, declaring that these lockdowns are illegal. This was led by lawyers Hannah Garson and Emma Arnold uh, on behalf of the uh, the inmates. And so uh, that's a strong declaration. We'll see now uh, what happens. Now, Justice Rosinski did not say, uh, now, therefore, these uh, you know inmates need to be released. Uh, but he uh, did make a strong statement about that and so uh, we'll see how that unfolds within the system. I know a lot of people will be watching to see what happens because uh, you know it's it's gonna be different. Alright so think of this in a practical sense. If a judge, you're think of a bail hearing or a sentencing hearing, if the judge knows that they're going to be sending somebody to an institution where they're going to be locked down then they're less likely I think to send low-risk offenders who would otherwise be deserving of a jail, a custodial sentence, to jail. I think they'll end up, you know, either giving bail to those who are uh, over the line, not on the line, but, you know, who they would otherwise send to uh, to jail or keep in jail. Uh, so this this has got to change. Some things need to uh, to change, I think, quickly because, um, you know, that's, uh, it's a big problem and it's throughout the whole system in Nova Scotia. All right, so we'll be watching to see what kind of uh, a reaction there is there. Some updates. So, yes, I talked about this case last year after it came out from uh, from uh, Judge Ross in Wagmacook. And this is a case of Ernest McAvoy, guy in his late 60s, early 70s. Uh, was living with his mom 
and his brother came to visit and went in to visit. The brothers weren't getting along. So Ernest McAvoy left the house, went out to mow the lawn, uh, you know, got grass all over his brother's motorcycle. Brother comes out, yells at him, says, listen, you're living off mom, you're sponging, all these things. And uh, they get into an argument. Ernest McAvoy goes to the shed or the garage, gets a shotgun and shoots his brother in the leg. Claimed self-defense and judge rejected that rightly so. So he has now been sentenced to four years in jail, uh, plus uh, four months for uttering threats charge, related uttering threats charge. So that's just uh, an update on that. Uh, next update is this, uh, yeah, the 15, well, he's 16 years old now, attempted murder charge of the school uh, stabbing incident at C.P. Allen last year. So this is ready to go to trial next month, or not next month, but in March. And so prior to the trial, the defense has raised two charter arguments. One being that the teen was recorded by police while he was in ambulance, while he was in the hospital at the IWK, and, uh, you know, might have been coming out of sedation and he was injured and, uh, you know, the question about whether he had uh, properly been given his rights, rights to counsel, right to silence, all these things. And meanwhile, you know, he's trying to tell the uh, the ambulance attendants, the paramedics and the, the, you know, the nurse and stuff about his condition and all these things. And so all these got recorded. Well, the defense is claiming that's an illegal search and seizure under Section 8 and it should be excluded. Well, the Crown says, uh, while not necessarily conceding that it's a charter breach, that they're not going to rely on those statements, they're not going to use them in trial anyway. And so it shouldn't matter. All right, so that's one. The second charter argument is that this there was a sheriff you might remember that a sheriff uh, involved not directly involved but at the courthouse uh, post took a photo of the security monitor showing the teen talking to his lawyer on the monitor and then posted it to uh, social media and the sheriff got fired uh, rightly so now the defense is claiming that the the revealing of the teen's identity is an abuse of process and that because the sheriff is a, um, you know, part of the court system, that this goes against the crown, and therefore it's an abusive process, and the remedy should be that the charges get dropped. All right, so this is coming before uh, Judge Elizabeth Buckle, uh, one of the top uh, judges on the provincial court. I think most lawyers would agree. I suspect what she's going to do is find uh, that there were there was a charter breach of the youth's rights not to be recorded uh, on balance. It's not an obvious case because sometimes being recorded, it's like these body cam questions, right? Sometimes being recorded is as much for the accused protection as for uh, gathering evidence on behalf of the police. In this case, where the Crown has said they're not going to use it, most of the time the remedy for a charter breach would be that the evidence gathered as a result couldn't be used. In this case, the Crown is saying we're not going to use them anyway. And so I would say that, plus if there's anything that derives from anything that the youth said, that wouldn't be usable either. That'll be the remedy, not that the charges would be dropped. Same thing goes for the sheriff sharing that photo. I mean, that's a, a major problem, but hard to 
exactly pin that on the crown uh, even though it's uh, because it's sort of a rogue actor as a sheriff I think uh, you know and the sheriff has already faced consequences I do not think that's going to uh, end up with a dropping of the charge but I do say because uh, I've examined this case before I don't have all the details of course uh, not having not being on the file but when this comes for trial in March uh, I think the teen should certainly be able to beat the attempted murder charge uh, at least to have that reduced looks like he had some uh, some other troubles going on so we'll be following uh, that trial when it uh, takes place in March presuming it takes place uh, Judge Buckle could uh, agree with the defense and uh, drop the well one of the remedies could be that the uh, charges uh, get dismissed Okay, so that's uh, some Nova Scotia content. The Supreme Court of Canada case came out this week as a short decision, and the uh, it involves a police officer out of Quebec, the the Suart Suart du Quebec police officer. The guy was uh, became a police officer in 2001, was on the job until 2009, when his family doctor recommended that he stop working temporarily. Seems like it was mental health concerns. Says health concerns. Um, you know, reading between the lines a little bit from the later process. So, what happens then? His uh, his wife has a travel agency, and this officer was off on leave, but he was working for the travel agency. Uh, some debate as to how much work he was putting into the travel agency. He seemed to be traveling a lot as well. So. Uh, in 2014, so we went off work in 2009, in 2014, this Nicholas Landry met with a physician arbitrator. And at that time, he uh, was found, he minimized his role in the travel agencies and negatively presented the state of his mental health. So, uh, the physician arbitrator uh, found that he had a permanent disability and therefore was entitled to full uh police officer pay until his retirement age which would be in 2026 all right so what did the police do then they charged him with fraud over five thousand dollars to prove fraud you need three things you need a dishonest act you need prejudice to the victim's financial interest and then there has to be knowledge or you know imputed knowledge for the uh the perpetrator that there would be prejudice to the victim's financial interest. So in this case, dishonest act is minimizing the role, his role in the travel agency. He was more involved uh, than he claimed to be. Probably uh, exaggerated the state of his mental health uh, issues as well. There was definitely well, the prejudice to the victim, the, the victim being the police agent, the police service. Uh, because they had to pay this guy for years and years of, of salary. So there's a prejudice to their financial interest and knowledge of that prejudice. Of course, the officer, a former officer, I guess, would know that this was going to cost the police force money if he persisted in his fraudulent views. So anyway, the uh, he was convicted and sentenced to six months in jail, appealed to the Quebec Court of Appeal. They dismissed the appeal, although one judge, one judge would have reduced it from fraud to attempted fraud and the reason that one judge would have reduced it was the guy the Quebec's uh, the police service had some knowledge that he was probably doing a little more work with the travel agency than he let on 
when that hearing in 2014 was taking place with the physician arbitrator and they didn't pursue that uh, particularly vigorously or they didn't present all the evidence they had. So one of the three Court of Appeal, Quebec Court of Appeal judges would have reduced it to attempted fraud. Nevertheless, so that's why it gets to the Supreme Court. It's a split decision at the Court of Appeal level. Uh, Supreme Court of Canada upheld the, uh, well, upheld the conviction, dismissed the appeal, and so uh, this police officer is going to be uh, in jail for six months for committing fraud over $5,000. So that'll be uh, a message sent to others, uh, certainly within the police service. Maybe because he was a police officer, he's more likely to be investigated for fraud of that nature, but that would be something that reverberates throughout employment law circles, I would think. All right. Next national story, this, uh, Jordan Peterson's back in the news this week. Uh, you've probably heard some of this. He had a, an op-ed in the National Post and lots of um, you know, political people uh, uh, making a uh, comment on free speech and all these things. So what, what is it? What's happened? Well, he was, Jordan Peterson was, uh, there was complaints-ish, you know, laid to the, the College of uh, Psychologists, Ontario College of Psychologists, which regulates psychologists. Jordan Peterson is a psychologist, professor at the University of Toronto. Although he hasn't been practicing uh, his, since 2017, you still get regulated. In order to call yourself a psychologist, you need to be part of the College of Psychologists. Like, you know, lawyers, doctors, everybody has their, teachers have their uh, professional association. And the complaints were not coming from clients of his anyway. They were just coming from people, some of whom didn't even live in Canada, some people who falsely claimed to be clients of his. So uh, what had Jordan Peterson done? He, remind people he made some comments on, on Twitter about uh, a Sports Illustrated plus-size model. Uh, he made comments about Elliot Page uh, with the mastectomy that uh, that uh, they had uh, Gerald Butts, former chief of staff to the prime minister and other other politicians, other people, just as, you know, stuff that you would say critical of people, all right? So the college said that he needs, Jordan Peterson needs education on how to speak and portray yourself in social media if you're going to be a psychologist. This is not how psychologists are supposed to talk, behave, and, and publish comments. So uh, they wanted him to take education. He rejected that, took it to the Ontario Supreme Court. Ontario Supreme Court says, uh, as in many administrative law cases, they don't take a fresh look at the issue. They say, well, did the college, are they experts? Yes. Did they give you a fair process? Yes. Uh, is the outcome within, you know, a reasonable sphere of possible outcomes? Yes. Okay, we're not going to touch it. Uh, we're not going to second-guess every little thing that an administrative tribunal does. So Peterson, who had Howard Levitt, a high-profile employment lawyer in Ontario and uh, somebody who writes, uh, who's a columnist in the National Post as well, as well as Jordan Peterson, who is also sometimes... Uh, appeal to the Ontario Court of Appeal. Ontario Court of Appeal, uh, you don't get an automatic shot at the Court of Appeal. You have to apply for leave, permission to make the appeal. They rejected it at that point, never even heard the substantive appeal. And so that's it. He has no legal options left anymore. So what's he going to do? He says, uh, well, he's, 
He doesn't need this license, although he likes being able to call himself a psychologist. He doesn't need to. He doesn't even practice it. He's independently wealthy, all these things. But what he's going to do is he's going to check it out. He's going to see what they actually want to make him take for social media training. And he's going to publicize all of that as it takes place. Uh, it's open-ended education, and he has to pay for it. So he's going to see, all right, how ridiculous is this going to get? And uh, so he's going to see what they're going to do and then uh, make a decision at some point. If it goes too far, he'll just say the hell with it and, uh, you know, uh, give up his license to practice. All right, uh, so we'll watch that. I'm sure that'll be uh, something to follow over the next few months as uh, they try to engage him in a re-education program. All right, uh, last thing I want to just uh, briefly talk about is the upcoming parliamentary session, what is going to be taking place. So this, uh, well, the first thing isn't really in Parliament, but is related to it, is the public inquiry into the election interference from China and Russia. Those hearings are going to be starting near the end of January. Actually, we don't have the exact date yet for that. Uh, the, uh, that's going to start soon. A couple of other pieces of legislation. Bill S-7, is in the Senate right now, is a... Uh, piece of legislation that will allow border agents to search your personal uh, digital devices, phones, iPads, such. Uh, hasn't really gotten a lot of attention yet. We'll see if that gets passed. Bill C-20 is the uh, supposed to be the new Public Complaints and Review Commission for the RCMP and Canadian Border Services, Border Services Agency. Uh, of course, coming out of the Mass Casualty Commission, that is something that has been uh, recommended uh, there and, and other places. So we'll see if that develops into something with some teeth. Bill C-49, relevant certainly here on the East Coast, uh, dealing with offshore oil and gas projects, but maybe more uh, pressing at the moment, offshore uh, wind projects. Uh, lots of uh, discussion Lots of uh, planning going into the potential for offshore wind projects. A lot of concerns with fishermen on uh, how that's going to affect their uh, their livelihoods. And so you can imagine that's going to be uh, getting some attention as it goes through committee study. And then the uh, last thing I'll mention, uh, C-58, which would be the ban on replacement workers, a labor bill. Uh, pushed by the NDP as part of their agreement with the Liberal government, uh, their confidence and supply agreement, uh, to see if uh, they'll hold the government together. So that's going to be one. The other one, of course, is the Pharmacare legislation. There's supposed to be something coming on that in the spring. Um, we'll see if that materializes or if the confidence and supply turns into a lack of confidence as, as time goes on. All right, so... Uh, that is uh, the show for this week, some of the, the cases. Actually, just one quick thing I, I saw just as I was uh, about to start recording, I see that Alec Baldwin has been uh, uh, committed to, uh, has been charged by a grand jury with manslaughter in this uh, uh, on-set Western Rust uh, movie uh, case where he had the, uh, the prop gun that, Apparently had a, a bullet in it and uh, shot uh, shot somebody dead on set. Uh, anyway, surprised to see that get this far, but uh, becoming a very political issue it seems down in New Mexico at the moment. So we'll follow that as uh, as it unfolds as well. 
and all these other stories. So uh, thank you everybody for watching and thank you for listening and we'll uh, see you next time.